You're listening to Object of Sound from Sonos, the show where we bring you in tune with the music that shapes our culture. When music lives in the air, it's one thing, but when you know the undercurrents and the ideas that went into a song and when you can feel its weight, it becomes more meaningful. I'm Hanif Abdurraqib, a poet and culture critic, and I'll be your guide as we seek a deeper way of listening. Every year it feels like there's one album that comes out early that sets the tone for how I listen throughout the rest of the year. So I think, okay, this is a great album and the rest of the albums that drop this year have to ascend to this level. It's really early, but on January 8th of this year, I had my calendar circled because I was excited for the new Jasmine Sullivan album, Hotels. You said that I've been acting different, yeah. Funny how I finally flipped the script on you. When you the one who's double dipping, yeah. You so sloppy how I caught you slipping, uh. You're off the And I love the album, but more importantly than that, I love the payoff that I got after anticipating for a long time. Jasmine's last album, Reality Show, came out in 2015. And I think there is something that I enjoy about anticipation and about having to wait uh, on a project or a product about an artist who makes listeners practice patience. She told me it was over. She asked for a ring back. I think I had a nervous breakdown, child. I was crying and I never felt that type of pain before because it was always me being the one that was cheated on. And in turn, I caused that same type of pain. to someone. The songs are braided together by these spoken interludes, these stories from Jasmine's friends, her relatives, their friends. And it feels even in the songs as though there are small narrative arcs that flow into these larger spoken stories. So to me, Hotels feels like a piece of literature. In a time where politically and nationally and globally, the demand for Black women's labor remains at an all-time high, and there's a lot of these kind of vague and misguided celebrations of Black women's labor that does not humanize Black women as full complex people with full and complex narratives. There was something about the album that felt really generous to me in that it was revolving around the fullness of Black women's lives independent of expectation. So I came up listening to R&B made by Black women who were storytellers and invested in storytelling parents and grandmothers and the parents of my friends and aunties in the neighborhood, all these folks who were storytellers by nature and who came from storytellers. And they really filled out how I learned to understand how stories could be told, uh, which connects me to the pleasure that I get listening to the storytelling on hotels. It feels like it's communal or like a family reunion uh, or like a gathering around a porch where you get to hear everyone have their time for a little bit. Hotels is the fourth release by Jasmine Sullivan. It was released to critical acclaim and commercial success. And uh, despite the time she took off between this release and her last, she is currently ascending once again. Uh, that ascent will be recognized on Super Bowl Sunday when she will be performing the national anthem 30 years after Whitney Houston performed her iconic version. So 
So this week on the episode, we're going to be paying an homage of sorts to Black women storytellers who, through their music, have uh, fleshed out distinct and unique narratives. And that is uh, inspired by my guest today, Jasmine Sullivan. As a reminder, each week we curate a playlist of music to accompany the episode. And this week, it features artists from SZA to Mary J. Blige and some suggestions from Jasmine as well. You can hear that at mixcloud.com slash Sonos, and we'll leave a link in the show notes. And later on, to take a deeper look at storytelling through musical interludes, for the first time ever, we opened up the Object of Sound hotline, and we're going to hear from some of you. Jasmine Sullivan, thank you for joining me. Thank you so much. I love the album. To me, it feels like a series of short stories, and I'm interested in talking about how you landed on the shape and the concept and how these chapters fit into the narrative. It's just so much wisdom and love and connection in a group of women, and I just wanted to share that. I feel like everybody needs to have a group of girlfriends, and I just wanted to share it. The idea of incorporating conversations that I have with my girlfriends kind of came to me because these are the conversations that we've had since we were in high school. And um, they are stories that are often overlooked. And I felt like I wanted to bring light to it. Can I touch real quick on the, the distance of time between this album and reality show? I'm wondering how you kind of create patiently and thoughtfully with, you know, five years in between albums in in this economy, especially because I feel like everyone is demanding, 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 demanding. Um, How did you kind of navigate that pressure and and create something that's kind of as thoughtfully crafted as this is? Um, Yeah, I I don't know um, what I was thinking. To be honest, it was very hard um, coming up with the project project at first. I was um, in a little bit of, what is it called? You can't, you Writer's block. <laughs> Writer's block. I just yeah. had it just now. <laughs> Writer's block. I had singer's block. Um, and so it was a very, very different process for me because I was like in and out. So I would like write maybe like a verse and a hook and then I would have to stop because I I wouldn't have the rest of the lyrics. And um, so the process was very different than what I was used to. Um, but, you know, I just kept going. I, I kept believing that um, the process will unfold eventually, and it did. And, and you know, sometimes that takes some time for it to happen. But I'm, I'm glad, you know, that I didn't give up because um, there were moments, you know, when if you can't think of the things and it doesn't come out easy where you feel like maybe you shouldn't do it or maybe you shouldn't continue. And so I'm glad I kept going. Was there a song or a part of the album in the making of it that kind of unlocked the... Because I don't know, writer's block is is what it is, but I think that sometimes in the process you kind of hit something in the wall and the light shines through and then the wall kind of crumbles. Was there a song or a part a part of the recording process where it was like, I got it now, I'm off and running? I wouldn't say it unlocked till very, very late <laughs> for me. Um, and by that time, I had already pieced together um, the songs. So I don't know if that if I ever had a moment like, oh, I, oh, I have it. it. I did, though, enjoy... Um, recording the tales. That made me excited for the project because I just feel like that was the meat of the project. And um, that was a part where I felt like it. this was something special, was recording those and getting 
everybody's point of view. I thought about your album slightly in relationship to another album that I spent a lot of time with at the beginning of the year. For some reason, I was drawn back to the Wait and Exhale soundtrack. Why does it hurt so And I spent all this time with it and remembering how kind of brilliantly woven together it was, like all of these Black women from different eras, like cross-generationally. My love, sweet love, for me, that's no Singing about, in short, relationships both platonic and romantic and you know, the men who ain't shit and the men who are, that kind of thing, you know what I mean? And I I was interested in um, what inspirations were kind of resting behind this album. Like, what were you listening to? Especially because I do think there's like a communal celebration of the many layers of Black womanhood in the album. And it just made me feel like I was once again immersed in some of the album's from Black women R&B singers I grew up with, you know, like uh, Waiting to Exhale is like a perfect crystallization of that. But I'm wondering if there are, uh, there are albums that you relied on or used as inspiration for this. Um, I didn't listen to a lot of music because when I'm like ready to make a project, I'm always worried about being too overly influenced by like um, certain things that I like because I'm, I'm like a sponge. So like if I like it, I'll hear it one time and then it'll like make its way into my music. And so um, I try not to listen to a lot of music, but I kept my eyes open, at least with like the new girls that were coming in. And I was very inspired. I've, I've always mentioned um, Cardi B is one of uh, my inspirations. Leave his text on red, leave his balls on blue. Everything about her, I loved her persona. I loved the fact that she was completely herself and she was not shy about, you know, showing the world who she was and in, in every aspect um, about Lizzo. Slow songs, they for skinny hoes. Can't move all of this here to one of those. I'm a thick bitch, I need tempo. And um, how she just represented so well for big women and made space for herself and, and other women to come in a major way. So I think I was influenced more by personalities, uh, more so than music. Do you recorded this like mostly in your house or, or entirely in your house, right? Like kind of isolated. Yeah, I mean, I started um, most of the songs in the house and um, I work at a studio in Philly called Milk Boy. Um, but yeah, pretty much home. What I love about the album, of the many things I love about the album, is that it does feel like a reunion of sorts, like a family reunion or a reunion. Like, I feel like I'm sitting in uh, or like a bystander during a really robust conversation and you made it kind of familial. I get that recording was isolated in some ways. Was it a lonely process or did you feel like it was fulfilling? Well, I like to be alone. <laughs> so I hear that. Yeah. It wasn't bad for me. Um, I'm in the house like with my boyfriend. So we be chilling in here and um, like, you know, just making music and stuff like that. Uh, but I definitely enjoyed being able to commune with my girlfriends. Like, that's everything for a girl, for a woman, is to be able to talk to their girlfriends. Because it's things that you say to your girlfriends that you don't say to your man or that you don't maybe say to other people. And so that was a fun process of having a reason, really, to kind of get together and talk our shit. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did you, when thinking through the concept process, how did you land on the concept you chose and, 
you know, I think about interludes on albums, you know, like the interludes I loved coming up, listening to albums and how interludes as a form can tell a story within a story. And so how did you land on these concepts and how did you, outside of the function of the interludes, it was just like you talking shit with the homies. How did you decide that that was going to be what you wanted in the, at the end? Well, I decided early that I wanted to include the conversations that I had and have with my girlfriends. And um, I didn't have the conversations right away. I started writing and, you know, coming up with with songs and concepts for the songs. And then with it being so personal, me knowing my girlfriends and knowing everybody involved that I asked to, you know, bear their soul really on this project, um, I kind of handpicked who I thought could bring the story to life in in a deeper way. Because I feel like the tales or the interludes are just a, a more personal version of the song, and it just goes more in depth. So I did the song, and then I thought, you know what, this friend, knowing her, I know that she can um, talk about this, and she she has this story. There was an intimacy that kind of shined through with the stories. Uh, these are all friends you've had like your whole life, right? Or most of your life. Yes, yes. Best friends since high school, um, my cousins since forever, my mom and her friends. Did you have any one specific story that that you kind of like knew you had to get or needed to get? Oh, yeah. Amanda's tale for me was um, the most vulnerable, heart-wrenching story. And sex has become my superpower. It's like sex is empowering in another way. It's, it's sad. I feel moments of sadness knowing that, you know, just me alone and who I am is not enough. I didn't know that she would go as far as she did. And I almost felt like it was a bit of self-reflection as she was speaking. She was realizing some things about herself. I felt like that would connect with a lot of women who just don't feel worthy and they try to figure out how to really survive in this world and how to feel loved and beautiful. And, you know, a lot of us do things um, maybe that we shouldn't, you know, and sell, maybe sell ourselves short trying to feel love, really. I think that's all anybody ever wants is just to be loved. The thing is, niggas cannot handle if a woman takes the same liberties as them, especially with regards to sex. Like Our society teaches them to be so wrapped up in themselves and their own conquest that they... It was hard, you know, to kind of ask people to bear their soul and put it on... A record, you know, it's one thing I always say to have these conversations with your girlfriend in private um, about the things that y'all have experienced, the mess maybe that y'all went through or whatever. It's another thing to ask them to put themselves out there. I didn't know how people would respond to this project, so it did scare me a little bit because I, you know, that first of all, t- tales or interludes are. They're not widely received. People don't, as far as I'm concerned, people don't really necessarily want to hear all the interludes, but I felt like these were special. They didn't feel like your typical interlude. It felt like something that felt important to um, the project as a whole. But I was scared. I didn't know if people were going to want to hear it. I was like, oh, God, I don't know. But um, like I said, I felt like it was important. So I feel like whenever there's this much pressure for an album's buildup, you know, like whenever it's been so long and people are kind of like waiting for the record to drop, it could go one of two ways. It feels like where it can go, like it can be really beloved or people are like, this isn't what I was waiting for. How are you feeling now that the album has been received like the immediately with uh, a lot of praise and people saying it's your best yet? Are, are you feeling good? Or are you kind of feeling the pressure kicking back up? 
I, the pressure's back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm super shocked, too. I I really didn't know how people would respond, but I just think it's a matter of timing. And um, I don't know. I just I feel like people want their stories told. And I feel like we've been muted for so long as um, Black women and people are just happy to hear it told in, in this particular way. But yeah, I'm I'm super shocked, and and the pressure is definitely on again. <laughs> I mean, but you can you can you know sit out another five years and create at your own pace, right? Now, see, I wouldn't do that again. <laughs> really? First of all, I'm too old now. I feel like at this age, I don't really have extra five years to kind of just throw away. Like when I was younger, I was like, okay. And and to be honest, I never really even meant for my breaks to be that long. I kind of start off thinking I'm just going to take a little time off to myself and then life kind of gets in the way. And I, you know, I'm just living and experiencing the things that I eventually write about. It's so funny that you're saying at this age, you're still so young. <laughs> I mean, I know what you mean, though. I, I get that, like, I, I get what you mean. Like, I know that careers are, like, have windows that they got to operate in. But, like, in terms of, I don't know, I'm, I'm an advocate for you taking as much time as you need as long as the projects stay this this good. I'm an advocate um, for that as well. I'm an advocate for time because I feel like a lot of people need time to decompress, to figure some things out, to go inward, and you don't get the opportunity to do that in life, period, but especially in the industry because everything is so quick and you got to produce so much and people's attention spans are so short and you feel the pressure. You'd be like, okay, I got to put something out or they're going to forget about me. And I felt the pressure. I, you know, it was so many amazing artists that came out that, you know, made me feel like maybe I didn't have a space anymore, but um, I'm glad that I took the time that I needed. I just know moving forward after the things that I've experienced in my life, Time for me is, feels a little different. I don't feel um, like I have, it's not ex- as expendable as it was before. So I just, right. I want to do as much as I can. Next week, we're doing an episode about the national anthem because it's the 30th anniversary of Whitney Houston's singing the national anthem at the Super Bowl, the iconic performance. Wow. And then we learned that you would be singing. Oh, God, which I think, more pressure, more pressure. I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bring it. It's, I, I, when you started talking about pressure, I was like, I don't know if I should mention the Whitney Houston thing. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I didn't even know that. But, uh, one, I was so excited because... It feels like if there is someone who could like rise to the occasion of singing the anthem and putting us putting our own spin on it, it felt like you could easily do it. Do you have an approach that you're thinking of uh, that you're taking to the singing of it? Or are you just kind of going to like, I'm here, I'm going to sing the words and get off stage? Soulful. I mean, that's what I do. Whomever asks for me to do it, I don't, I don't know who it was, but whomever asks for me to do it, uh, that's what they knew me for and that's what they wanted and um, that's what I want to represent for my people is just some soul put some soul in it yeah I, I'm, it's interesting you say that because the, the the anthem of course has a kind of complex history among around among black folks and but there is something that I think uh, is freeing and uplifting about seeing like a Marvin Gaye or a Whitney Houston put their own stamp on it that speaks back to the people that have been excluded by it before. Um, do you have a favorite version of the National Anthem that you've heard in your life? Um, it's probably Whitney's. I mean, come on. She's, it's, yeah. it's probably Whitney's. I mean, that was just a moment that I just don't think that anybody can duplicate. It was just her voice, her smile, her confidence. Everything about it just was um, amazing. Yeah. 
leading up to it, how are you feeling? Like, are you feeling? I know that I've maybe just put some undue pressure yeah, on you. Yeah, you did. My bad, Thanks. But, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but before that, how are you feeling? Are you feeling? Are you feeling like confident that you'll be able to transform it in the way that you that you want to? Like people will hear it and, and it will become a, a Jasmine Sullivan anthem. I think so. But first of all, it's a duet, so I'm singing with Eric Church. That's right. That's right. It'll be both of us kind of doing our version, but it, it sounds beautiful to me. And um, I think it'll be a good bridge between the both of our styles. He's a country artist and I'd sing soul R&B, but um, I think it's a good bridge. And I think I think everybody should enjoy it. Last question. Every week I make a playlist to go along with the show. And this week I'm interested in making a playlist of songs by black women storytellers who have kind of told stories through their songs and told stories through their music. Someone like Mary J on My Life, that kind of thing. If you could pick one song to add to the playlist that is not a Mary J. Blige song because I got one already, who who would be on it? Um, SZA. That's the last thing I heard. Good Days. Oh, yeah. That's a perfect choice. That's a perfect choice. I didn't even think about that one. Jasmine Sullivan, thank you for joining me and good luck singing the anthem at the Super Bowl. Thank you so much. Jasmine Sullivan's new release is Hotels. And now for a final thought. Listening to Jasmine Sullivan's work has brought me back to the idea of interludes and how they reframe an album as narrative. But they can also be a way of marking time in an album. TLC's Crazy Sexy Cool is kind of an album of four separate vignettes broken up by interludes. And I always remember that that album, when it came out, was somewhat of a forbidden album for me. I was still regarded as slightly too young to fully understand it. But what I most remember is sneaking it, like all I think young people did that I grew up around, sneaking the albums our parents wouldn't let us listen to. And I remember sneaking Crazy Sexy Cool and listening to the cassette tape on the bus on the way to school and back to the point where I could mark how close to school I was, how far away from home I was off of the interludes. And so there was the Crazy Sexy Cool interlude, which kind of broke off the first section. I want y'all to know the fly is kind of hot to get with in 94, a period. She's crazy, sexy, cool. And that's how I knew I was arriving at school. And then when, on my way home, I would listen until the intermission lewd, which there were like three songs in between it, like both Red Light Special and Waterfalls. And that's how I knew I was like very close to home. I think another thing I like about interludes is that they are the parts of the album that don't often win awards. They don't often get played on the radio, but they frame up the sound. And they're also kind of like portals that I step through in order to get to the more touchable sounds on an album. I'll remember an interlude before I remember an actual song. I'll remember the interlude that feeds into the song first. And there's some real joy in that for me. I miss the interlude. I wish more albums wove interludes all the way through them. I'm grateful for Jasmine Sullivan, and I hope she starts a new trend. So we put an ask out to listeners to have them call in and tell us about any interlude on any album that is important, special, or memorable to them. And we got a few back, and here they are. 
Hi, honey. This is Portia, and very excited to share with you my favorite interlude, which is very clearly uh, from Midnight Marauders by a tribe called Quest. Hello. This is your Midnight Marauder program. I'm on the front of your cover. The reuse of Aquarius by Cal Jader over the course of the album. It is absolutely beautiful. It's rhythmic. It's sweet in a sweet beats kind of way. Hi, uh, my name's Luke. The drum sing special off of Chance the Rapper's coloring book album. Um, an R&B artist simply refraining the words of you are special I am special everyone's special this I know is true when I look at you it was radical for the time um, and seems to be radical even now it was just a different spirit and it evoked an immense amount of joy um, and seemed to test the limits of how vulnerable rappers and the rap industry was willing to be to its audience. My name is Diego, and I'm calling from Madrid, Spain. My favorite interlude is sometimes the third song of Flower Boy by Tyler, the Creator. It's Golf Radio. You're on the air with Shane Powers. We're taking requests. Uh, what's, uh, get that one. What's, uh, what's your name? Goes just before see you again. That is one of my favorite, and sometimes give you some context to the following song, and it follows the album narrative history, and it lasts just thirty six seconds. So the interlude that I've chosen is not necessarily, I don't know if it can be defined as an interlude specifically, but it's the beginning of Janet Jackson's "Got Till It's Gone" from the Velvet Rope. And it's it's only three lines. It starts off as, well, I'm just assuming Janet and Q-Tip are having a conversation. And she says, um, like, so what, what's the next song? What's what's the next song? The one about me. And then he says, um, responds, the one about me. Um, and then she responds, oh, yeah, I like this, like Joni says. Uh, Something that always with me so when I think about those songs I think that song I think about those lyrics so that would be the my favorite interlude of all time this has been Object of Sound from Sonos thank you to our guest this week Jasmine Sullivan So next week, Jasmine will be performing the national anthem at the Super Bowl with Eric Church. And it's also the 30th anniversary of Whitney Houston's famous rendition of the national anthem at the Super Bowl. And so we have a special episode coming next week. We'll be talking to the New York Times culture critic Wesley Morris about Whitney Houston's performance, about the fraught history of the national anthem and how artists have performed through and around it and made it their own. To hear all the music in the full version of this show, listen on Sonos Radio or find us at mixcloud.com slash Sonos. And while you're there, check out some of the other great shows on Sonos, including specials from Dolly Parton, Unsung from Crack Magazine featuring Biba Doobie, and Radio Hours with Tom York 
ASAP Ferg, D'Angelo, and more. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. If you love this show, rate it and share it with your friends. Also, tell us what you like about the show and what you're listening to. This is a communal thing, music discovery. Email us at objectofsound at sonos.com. Follow us on Instagram at Sonos Radio. This show is produced by Work by Work. Scott Newman, Gemma Rose Brown, Babette Thomas, and by me, Hanif Abdurraqib. This show is mixed by Sam Baer and Josh Hahn. Extra gratitude to Joe Dawson and Saida Blount at Sonos. I am always talking about music online on Instagram and Twitter at Neef Muhammad. Thank you for listening.